Hello and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. This is Dr. Wendy Corin. And this is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And today we're going to talk to you about something that was inspired by an actual experience this week, and it's uh, had to do with a bent shoe. And the title of this particular podcast is, What Do You Do With a Bent Shoe? And really, as a sequela to that, what lesson can you learn from a bent shoe? Why did the shoe get bent? Well, the experience here was, for the umpteenth time in recent history, Dave's lovely horse lost a shoe. And the shoe did not just come off, but it was literally bent in half. And last time when it came off, it was bent in half. The other one was slightly off. This time... I happened to be on a different horse, watched the shoe go spring, and learned a valuable lesson because as Ida, uh, Rolf, Rolf, one said, where you think it is, it ain't. And each time we're thinking, he's not forging. How is he stepping on the shoe? How is he stepping on the shoe? Always focused on how is that hind limb hitting the front limb because If that's your focus, that's all you can see. If the lens of your camera is narrowed down to perceive one part of a picture, you're going to miss the entire background. Yeah. And if you thought that he only did it that one time, you might not look further into it. But the fact that you have history now of he's always pulling the shoe and and eight times out of ten, it's the right front shoe. And then the other times, it's every once in a while, it's the left front shoe. But it was consistency and history and Wendy watching what happened started to give us more clues on where to look. Well, actually, what it did is made me realize I had no clue what was happening. I mean, really, truly, I went, what I thought was happening wasn't. So I had to create a completely blank slate in my mind And just so happened, uh, a good friend of ours is an equine massage therapist. Many friends of ours are equine massage therapists. This one happened to come over, put her hands on, and went, wow, there's so much tension in his thoracic spine in this one rib on the left side. And in terminology, it felt like a, a knot, a trigger point, and with her hands, she was able to melt it. And I said because I've had prior experience of this horse, compare that to the other side. Ye gads, she said, or something to that effect. The other side is much worse. Yeah, and it's a matter of following the map. You know, you have to follow the map because it can go in different directions, but which way is this, was this one going? And the massage therapist followed it back because it wasn't just, oh, it was bad on the right side as well, but then as she followed it back, guess where it went? And it went to a known issue in the right hip eventually, after going through the lower thoracic spine on the right, the lumbar spine on the right, to the hip. We said, well, what would happen if then I step in and adjust that hip? Well, fascinating. All of the compensations, all of the muscle tension, all of that went away. But why did Lisa think this 
it let me look at that left thoracic spine. And fascinatingly, her brain went, well, I think he's dropping in on the left, swinging his left front, catching the side of his shoe, and therefore bending it in half and springing. And I went, front foot to front foot interference. Wow. Yeah, because usually when a horse forges, you hear it. I mean, you definitely hear the clunk when they hit their, their hind foot to their front foot. And that you never heard any of that. You don't ever hear that from him. No, and this would be sudden. One minute it's there, one minute it's not. No rubbing, no prior. And that made sense that all of a sudden you would have either, if any of you have ever had a rib that felt wrong and you get that zing in your side and then that affects your gait and perhaps makes you swing your limb forward, happen to catch your other foot or something you were walking on and the sequela was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And in order not to continuously annoy our farrier um, and have him, okay, did it again, can you come back again, can you come back again, and the shoe's always, you know, trashed, let's see if we could actually peel it back and get to the problem. And short of putting a stick in between his front legs to keep the feet apart, what's our next best option? How can we read this correctly? And it doesn't matter if it's a shoe. It doesn't matter if it's a, what, why is my horse tossing his head? It doesn't matter if why is my dog, you know, um, hitching in its right hind. It matters that you open your mind to possibilities. And as Dave just said, follow the story as opposed to, ex, you know, everybody thinks, you know, you're reading a mystery and you know what's going to happen. And we get happy, excited when it goes differently. For me, this is Eureka. It's a learning experience. What can we learn from a bent shoe? Yeah. And, and, the, and this is something that even seasoned practitioners get into is, oh, I've seen a hundred of those, so it's gonna be this. And you have a preconceived notion of exactly what you think it's gonna be, so you really, you might skip a little bit here on the exam, or you might go straight to the area and go, oh, see, I knew this was tight, that's where it is, without really looking into it. So this is a great opportunity to step back. And yes, your expertise is wonderful. Use that expertise and expand on it every time. And let's go back to Ida Clark. Ida, I'm like, Ida Ralph. Ida I want to change her name constantly today and go where you, if you assume where you think it is, it isn't. Sometimes you'll be wrong. Sometimes you're right, right off the bat. And a lot of times you're going to go, wow, let me peel back this onion. If I'm seeing this behavior, what led to it? Oh, that led to it? Was that the first thing? What led to that? What led to that? What led to that? And peel it back until you have a place where you can put an influence in and change, optimize the behavior. Our goal here is to have him track correctly. The end result may be no more bent shoes, but what else do you gain from that? Yeah, and we have so many tools at our disposal. And it was time to put him to work. All right, it was time to pull out the toolbox and 
Look to see what you find. What in your toolbox is the best possible piece to use on? What was interesting in following the fashion, using the fascial tool and have it go, oh, left mid-thoracic, crossing over the thoracolumbar junction, going into the right SI, going back to the right hip. Nope, doesn't keep going, so we're going to stop at the right hip. Okay, what happens when we address? Does that get rid of a little of it, one part of it, or does that have a cascading effect and relieve everything? Like going back to what do you have to gain? Okay, the small gain is that the shoe stays on. The big gain is if the horse develops muscle correctly, the horse has more energy. There's more longevity because you're not getting disruption of the joint and off-weighting that joint and causing a problem in another area. So the gain is so much greater than what the actual problem was. Yeah, and you also and also future possible injury because if you develop the muscles incorrectly, over a period of time, eventually that's going to create wear and tear excessively on a joint or a tendon, which is going to create an issue later down the line. So find it, fix it. Well, what we were noticing too is one of the sequela of this is, okay, we're having this, this consistency of the one shoe popping, both shoes popping, always you know um, a front foot issue. And then we're also noticing a reduction in the quality of the hoof. So having this issue, as Dave said, what's the next problem? Well, the next problem was there was a issue in blood flow, nutrition, venous return, all of these things that were not allowing all these lovely supplements that we give for hoof health to actually do their job because there was so much tension from offloading the back, tension on the front that it manifested in other issues that are not always thought of as musculoskeletal. And, and we also talked with our team because we, we spoke with the farrier and the farrier goes, look, you know, I've been putting a little wider shoe on the front feet like you would with, with a jumper, but Unfortunately, shadow is not exactly what you would consider a jumper. And so he went back to a a, a little narrower shoe because he has a pretty nice foot and it's fairly wide as it is, so he doesn't need to widen the foot. But we spoke to him about it, and he had ideas on ways to help him track better and use his legs better. So that helped, and then we had the dentist come in because a lot of times dental, dental conditions can lead to gait issues. And the dentist also found, since uh, while he was mildly happy, uh, we did sheath keening. And what, lo and behold, he had a large bean. And that could have caused him some constriction, some um, hip flexor pain that would also lead to the hip being more sore. You know, again, it, unless you look everywhere, the likelihood of missing something is high. And until you address everything, you don't actually know what's primary and how many compensations have happened. And again, it doesn't matter what the symptom you notice is. Unraveling until you get to what precipitated it is going to be essential in your animal's care. 
And where else does this go on in your life where you could use this message? You know, there's so many aspects of life that are like this. You know, you got sometimes you got to dig a little deeper to find out what's underneath and correct the initial problem. And that's what this is all about. Well, absolutely. And we also did call in our nutritionist and say, you know, what would you do to assist in the correction of this? Because truly, because of the loss of hoof health, more problems could develop. So even if that's not primary, you still have to address it because it could become the most important issue. So dealing with it nutritionally from inside out, dealing with it biomechanically from effect peeling back to cause, dealing with it emotionally as a therapist owner, which is uh, precarious because so many times you want to think, well, it's my animal, I have to fix it. And often the real choice is, it's my animal. I have to step back and ask someone else, what do you notice? And that's why when I asked uh, the massage therapist to take a look at him, her response was, tell me nothing. I don't want to know a thing. I don't know what the issue is. Let me put my hands on and allow him to direct me to what is the most significant issue in his mind, in the horse's mind, in his um, interaction with the outside world. Yeah. And those of you who listened last week where we talked about fodder, uh, our horses have been now on the fodder for a week. Wow, they look good. And they, I, my horse looks so good right now. I am so impressed with his coat. And he's very happy. And they look forward to their fodder in the evening. They look forward to it big time. They eat, when we first got it, they only ate the top. Now they know they eat the whole thing. Even the mini eats every little piece. And interesting because there's that horse sense of knowing when they need something. The minerals in it, the sprouts in it, the, there's something that as they get it, they, and many people use this for mineral supplementation, is their choice. So to be able to clear your mind and listen to your own animal, whether it's a horse or a dog or in our case, a duck, uh, whatever you have to listen to, if you have a preconceived notion, it's going to uh, filter out some very useful pieces of information. If you have the need to fix everything yourself, it's going to limit your choices. So enjoy your resources. Enjoy the fact that there are people out there with different perspectives and invite them in for your practice, for your personal, professional, and your companions and competitors. Because, you know, sometimes it does take a village. And, you know, we're happy that you're part of our village. Yeah. And it was interesting because we're, I was watching a thing on the mind the other day, and they were talking about focus and whether you focus or whether you defocus. And one of the things they had, they, they, had a, so they were talking with somebody, and in the background, a gorilla walks through. And then a couple seconds later, they go, okay, how many of you saw the gorilla? And, and I admit, I didn't see the gorilla because I was focused on the guy. And, and so they, they do this whole thing where they're talking about how you focus and why you focus and what makes you focus and what makes you lose your focus. And then they go through about 
20 minutes later and they go, okay, how many gorillas did you see? And then they go back and they show all the places where gorillas walked into the screen and off the screen. Uh, it, it was fascinating that I realized how many that I missed. Yeah, that gives us the reason why when you are asking for help or you are looking to see how you can help your own, video, 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 because each time you look at it, you will notice something else as you change the filter or the focus through which you observe. When I first saw that bench shoe, all I saw was a bench shoe. All I saw was the shoe was the problem. The solution was the farrier. And in fact, the shoe was the symptom. And the only way I'm going to correct the problem is to address how did, how did it come to be that the shoe got bent. This is Dr. Wendy Corin. And this is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And this has been an Equiline podcast.